0: Welcome to a new edition of the Famous Interviews with Joe D'Amino. On this episode, we talk with entrepreneur, TEDx speaker, podcast host, and sports fan, Amy Siegfried. After seeing how the ability to talk sports gave her the upper hand as a woman in business, Amy and her brother Scott created Last Night's Game to give their friends the same advantage. Last Night's Game empowers its readers to join the sports conversation, even if they don't know the first thing about sports. Her career has included working for a major league baseball team and in other male-dominated industries. As a third-generation entrepreneur, Amy once flew around the world in 58 hours and 37 minutes She's lived internationally and is a master of small talk, bringing people together. We cover her life, the world of sports and sports radio, women in athletics, and beyond. We get into quite a bit. Enjoy this interview.
1: I'm happy to be chatting with you today. Yeah, it's great to meet you. Thanks for taking a minute of that. I appreciate it. And, you know, before we get into your life and what kind of motivates you, you know, we've gone through quite a thing the last three years with COVID. I'm curious. How did you survive that time period? And how has it changed the way that not only you live your life, but the way that you conduct business now?
2: (laughs) Well, it was very interesting because there were no live sports during COVID. So that was a whole nother can of worms um, from a work perspective of covering sports. Um, But I was also getting my MBA at that moment. um, And so um, I traveled back and forth to Chicago for that. And so that was a whole interesting uh, other perspective. Um, it's changed the way I've done business because um I find that I prefer to work at home now because I am so much more productive at home, which I think pre COVID I would say that doesn't happen because you're always throwing a load of laundry or whatever it might be, you're easily distracted. And now I can't imagine I, I do go into an office still sometimes, but I can't imagine going in full time because that productivity of uh, at home is is there, and losing that time to get dressed and then small talk in the office and some of those things um, uh, is definitely something that I, I I don't think I realize. I hate to say it's a time waste because it's not, but um, how different that is.
1: You know, it's interesting your what you do and your background is very interesting. So I want to kind of boil this down a little bit to, to the central points, and I want to ask you. If, I put you in front of a bunch of third graders at a career day at a grade school, and one of the kids <laughs> looks. All right, one of the kids yep. looks up at you and says, "What do you do for a living?" How would you answer that, child?
2: Oh gosh, and this is funny because I actually was—I went to my child's career day, and they were like, "But the dentist was here. They clean teeth. That's so much cooler than what you do." I'm like, "Yeah, that's a hundred percent true." Um, <laughs> I, I tell them I, I, I do a couple of different things, so I tell them that I. I run a business, a startup, where we we teach people about the world of sports who don't know anything about it and want to be able to talk to other people about it. Um, I tell them about a podcast, which that's funny because telling a third grader might know that. My son's four-year-old class. They're like, what's a podcast? Um, And then uh, I'm also an adjunct professor in uh, a business school, so... um, that that they understand because of the teacher. So, but it's kind of funny that they're like, the dentist is cooler. They brought toothbrushes. You only bought us coloring pages with soccer balls on them. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. That, yeah, those career days really do kind of get to the essence of things. Let me they're very ask this. humbling. <laughs> yeah, they are, of course, yeah. And that's, that's the danger because I've been to enough of them. And, yeah, you got to be yep. careful who you follow. It's like anything. but. You know, when you were in the third grade, what was your dream growing up? What did you want to be when you grew up?
2: Um, I wanted to be—I wanted to be Katie Couric. I wanted to be a broadcaster, and um, so that was always something I wanted to do growing up. And I actually started to go to school uh, for for broadcasting. And I remember my, one of my professors saying, "Okay, broadcasting—you're gonna—you need to be prepared to make no money." to move a lot. It started in small markets. Uh, you probably won't have a family till you're at least in your 30s, um, which sounded really old when you were 18. And so I ended up switching to public relations. And then I went to work in sports where you didn't get paid any money. You worked all the time. Um, and I still didn't have a family until I was over 30. So I mean, it, I guess it all it was meant to be on that perspective.
1: You know, my dream was to be across from Keith Olbermann in Bristol when I was growing oh, up. Oh, really?
2: And there you go. Yeah,
1: yeah I, my whole dream was to be a sports broadcaster. But I'll give you a quick snapshot just so you have context of who I am. I remember um, one of the biggest loans I ever took out was a $500 maybe or a 1000 maybe from a bank to go to the first annual sports broadcaster camp at the University of Missouri-St. Louis. Uh, yeah. Joe Buck was there. Um Dan Gierdorf, Bob Cost, mm-hmm. it was a big deal. And I remember yeah. the night before Bob Cost got there, it was like Jesus was returning. No one could sleep. <laughs> People were watching Sports Center on repeat. It was like total, uh, you know, just Tom fan- fangirling. Uh huh. Oh, my God. Yeah. So I, I still have the picture, and I got an autograph following back. I. Well, I referenced the Mickey Mouse card he had in his wallet. And I said, "I want you to autograph a card." And when I'm in the booth, I want to have it with me. And he grabbed me by the shoulders and said, "Son, get a hold of yourself. You still have time." Um, but <laughs> I, I remember, I, I remember those scare tactics because I went to the University of Missouri, Kansas City. Same thing. I remember one of the most hardcore guys I ever had as a teacher. His name was Pierre Renner. He was a, he was an old Frenchman, and he just went on and on about how you know, you're not going to make any money, and he would treat mm-hmm. us like we were in the industry. If we came in late, he was like, you're not getting paid today. If we didn't turn into Simon, you don't <laughs> get money this week. I mean, he was he was hardcore, but um. Anyway, I, I ended up getting in the industry, and uh, I was in pre- and post-game production work for the Royals at the time. And that okay. was Back in the Regime with Hal McCray when he flipped out that one time and threw all the old tape recorders off his uh, desk. David Cohn was there. Yep, yep. And, and I was like, I can't do this. Like, I can't, I can't make this my life because it's so... I don't know. There was just something about it that just didn't gel with me. I had to see it from the inside yeah. out. But at any rate, did I did you, still. Get when it. did
2: you leave the When did you leave the Royals?
1: I was there from. I was. I was a intern at sixty one Country that did it, and I was there from probably ninety three to ninety four.
2: Um our PR guy from the Diamondbacks uh, went to the Royals for a long time, but he. Was pro- he was later. He was probably 2009 or 10-ish. So.
1: Okay. Okay. Yeah. I, I've been in this for a while. So where exactly are you coming out of?
2: Um, I live in Tulsa, Oklahoma now.
1: Okay. All right. So let's go back to your roots. And obviously, you know, sports were probably a big part of growing up. I'm, I'm curious, how did these seeds get formed in you to make sports and wanting to be a journalist, and your past that have, that's become you now. How did all that happen?
2: It's um, a really great question. Um, I was not an athlete in the least bit, so that's kind of the funny part uh, about that. And, um, I, I was a dancer, and I played one season of soccer when I was about 13, and I was kicked in the face, and I think I cried multiple times that the game wasn't fair. And so my mom was like, "This, this is well, well this is a good learning experience for you. Maybe this isn't your forever sport um but my brother played every sport you could ever imagine and he's actually my co-founder uh and he's the reason i know so much about the world of sports he's that guy i asked all the questions to uh, when i was trying to figure things out but he also played everything so i had to i had to sit and watch him play everything and so um to me that was that's where i really learned to fall in love with sports and 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 learn to understand what's happening and and not until i was Probably in college, I understand the value that that brought to my career, and it was how what an advantage it really was to understand the world of sports. It was sort of just commonplace in my household, and so um, it's it's a uh, it's a learned love, and it's 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 definitely not a skill that I have acquired myself. So my I I I, I could not go pick up a basketball and shoot hoops with you because it's just not my talent.
1: Well, let's get a little nostalgic here, and, and, and <laughs> I'll, answer, I'll, all right, I'll answer this as well. So let me ask you this. If you could go back in time to a sporting event and be in the crowd to witness it firsthand, what would that moment be?
2: Um. Oh, gosh. That's a really great question. I don't really know. I would say... Um, you know what I would really love to, to see? And I'm sure there's probably something more phenomenal that I could come up with, especially after we've just come off the heels of LeBron James setting that um, all-time scoring uh, record for the NBA. like I think something like that would just be really neat to see um, See him doing that and just the pop and circumstance that happened after that, and that's a really cool moment. But I would love to go do an Olympics. Um, I'm really looking forward to Los Angeles Olympics in 2028, I think it'd be cool to go to like when the dream team, the first dream team won their gold medal, like that game and to be there for the moment at the end where um, they all got their medals. I think something like that would be really cool or to really be part of, let's see, like Mary Lou Retton or Simone Biles, like one of those competitions where you're really truly feeling and you you feel like you're part of it because they're they're a member of, uh, a citizen of your country. I think that would be kind of a neat thing too.
1: That's a great answer, yeah. I, I love that international flair, and I remember watching the Michael Jordan documentary on Netflix, and they I, I forgot all about how magical that time was when they got that powerful team together in the first game, and I think Croatia was getting all their autographs and freaked out because they were going to get destroyed. You know, there was a lot of that that was really interesting to watch happen firsthand. Um, but i got to tell you, the one moment that I would go back to...
2: Yes, I'm was, intrigued
1: by yours. All right, I would a hundred billion percent go back and I would be second, third row right by Phil Buckner when that ball went through his leg, game six. Oh short.
2: gosh. That's an interesting line. Think about that. That's an interesting point.
1: But see this is the thing, my dad, so I'm a Kansas I've been in Kansas City my whole life, but my dad was born in Brooklyn and raised in Long Island, so I got into the mess which is weird because in 85, the Royals won it. And I was a kid, which is cemented my memory. But that next year, I remember I went crazy. I mean, when Jesse Orozco threw that final pitch in game seven, I totally threw my glove outside in the air like he did. It was like the iconic yep. moment of my childhood. But if I could have witnessed Bill Buckner go through that. But on the flip side of it, this is an interesting piece of trivia. I don't know if you if you knew this. And I didn't know this until relatively recently. Bill Buckner was not supposed to be in at that point. Bill had bad knees. all, really? so al- Yeah. So they always took him out late in the game because his knees would react to the weather and re- would react at nighttime. And they took him out and they would – because there was another guy. I can't remember his name. It was always in there. But they put him in that game as a token player to be a part of winning that championship with the team. And because wow. of that – yeah, so there, there's your trivial pursuit question or your game show question that's going to bank the money right there. That's so interesting. Isn't that wild? Out? I mean, it's the, all of those tiny peccadillos that go uh-huh. into why sports is intriguing in the way
2: it, that's it all exactly comes together.
1: It. And, and, that's and exactly. to be quite honest, exactly you know, to be quite honest with you, that's one of the reasons why I think the Chiefs are going to the Super Bowl. That mayor jammed his foot so far down his mouth. I typically don't get that fired up. I was really nervous about this championship game, but when that mayor said that, we were all in disbelief. We we're like, there's no way that he, he he poked us that hard and said, let's go. Yeah, yeah, but
2: that's what it, it so, takes, right, sometimes.
1: Yeah, it certainly does. So. Let's get an idea. Let me get kind of a better idea of, of you know your your story's interesting because you know there are a lot of people out there that need to understand sports more like my my wife I got remarried back in two thousand and nineteen we've been together for um probably about six years now, and she had a pretty decent learning curve, but we still talk sports and we still go through it. And my stepdaughter gets real frustrated with her boyfriend now because she doesn't understand what's going on, and I find that part of what you do very interesting. And it's one of those things that I think the American education system, again, doesn't teach people to help them in their lives. How did this all kind of happen for you, going from wanting to be Katie Couric to actually kind of speaking in layman's terms the the vernacular of what we all consider so precious in our society, which is sport.
2: Well, it's really interesting. So um, I was in a game with a girlfriend when I was an intern for the Diamondbacks, and the guys were running off the field, and she said, What are they doing? I said, Well, they have three outs. And she said, What's an out? And um, I just said, That's when I realized what an advantage that I had being able to communicate sports and how that gave me such an advantage in male-dominated industries and I wanted to pass that knowledge that I had and the things that I had learned onto my friends. And, I, you know, I, I always tried to teach her about sports in the sense that what happens on the field and what the score is doesn't really make it, – it's not a conversation piece. It, 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 yes, we can talk about LeBron setting a record or Tom Brady setting a record or something like that, but the story is Tom Brady's retirement and what he's going to do next. It has nothing to do with necessarily the stats of his career. And so I really wanted to share that human interest side of the world of sports with people. But at that point, I was, gosh, probably twenty twenty-ish, and working eighty hours a week. And my brother, who, like I said, was my co-founder, when I called him with the idea, he was like, "Yeah, that's great. Um, I'm in high school. You work eighty hours a week. Uh, how would we do this?" And so it sort of it was tabled until my husband and I moved. Um, we lived overseas, and we moved back to the U.S. And we moved right at Thanksgiving and I just couldn't find a job in in Tulsa. And so um, I thought no one's going to hire between Thanksgiving and and New Year's. And so what if I just give this, what if we just give this a go? And so that all bridged from that, that realization of how do I help my friends be able to join in that conversation because it is such a distinct advantage.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It it certainly is. Um, So you know, you mentioned Katie Couric, but who who have you looked up to that's been like a role model or a hero for you in your life?
2: Oh gosh, um, overall, I mean, I, I hate to sound cliche, but I would say I would say my parents. They both worked really, really hard. Um, they prioritized education for my brother and I, which gave us so many advantages in our lives. Um they they taught me what hard work looks like. They taught me how it works to be a team and make things happen together. Um I would have to say too um my mother-in-law is is incredible. She's a uh, she's my one of my biggest cheerleaders and she just always does things with grace even if she's telling you that you need to get lost. And so I think there are things I've learned from all of from both of um all three of them. But in terms of um, maybe from a business perspective, I have really enjoyed following Gwyneth Paltrow's route. She took her career as an actress and turned that into a, a huge corporation and uh, health-minded, if you will, skincare. care. Um, not just skincare. she She has had this health-focused brand of Goop and then has added in all these different revenue streams to it. But it's been really interesting to watch her um, evolve too as a as a business owner and how her being an authentic, she, she really shows to be her authentic self, and I appreciate that. I've listened to interviews with her. She's like, no, I love to have, you know, a a glass of whiskey at night and things like that. Where I think I I just love the the honesty that goes along with a lot of that. That I feel like we don't see a lot in business. I feel like people really tend to put on their their Instagram hat, if you will, and make pretend everything's perfect. And I appreciate the honesty that comes with that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. What would be a dream athlete interview? Who would be the one athlete you would love to sit down with and have a conversation with?
2: Wow, this is a good one. Um, yeah. well, I would, I would say Kobe would be a really interesting one, and because I, I think we see this now after his passing, but the true impact that he has had on athletes and, and so many um, athletes. And there's uh, Sabrina Ionescu, and I mean some of these um, athletes who you we would have probably never known or never noticed. And understood the impact that he's had on them. Um, I think that would be a really interesting uh, um, get, and it's obviously very. Um, I don't want to say that's kind of an easy an easy one. Um, you know what would be kind of interesting is like a Nancy Kerrigan, a Tanya Harding would always be entertaining. Um, but uh, I think going back, I mean, I grew up watching Mary Lou Retton. And watching her and wanting to be a gymnast because of what she was doing and the, the, the barriers she was breaking, and so I think that would actually be kind of sticking with that Olympic thing. But God, there's so many. It's so hard to narrow down. I mean, I would love some of the WNBA players who have created this league that is now, you know, garnering such attention. I mean, it's, it's so interesting to, to piece all those together. And so I, I don't know, but that would be those. Those are the few I think of on the top of my head.
1: You know, it's interesting, I was listening to a 30 for 30 on that 1999 World Cup team with Mia Hamm and how, you know, they went to, did you hear that one?
2: No, I didn't, but I need to watch it. Okay,
1: yeah, it's an audio thing and I've been listening to them, really going through them. And at one point Mia went, and, and maybe her and a couple others went to Billie Jean King and said, the, cuz they were having problems getting their salary and really pushing the new women's league and and they were like what should we do and she was like what do you mean what should you do don't just sit here and you know tell us what you want to do be the face of the movement be the movement do it just mm-hmm. do it And she really pushed them to do it. It was very interesting because I think about how women in sport with with more referees and coaching and things, which just seems archaic that we're we're not at that point in 2023 like a lot of things. But I think that, like, even I went to, locally I went to some softball games and I have some friends of the family that have a daughter that's probably 13, really good, and I'm watching these players and they're phenomenal. I'm like, why isn't this like women's soccer? Mm -hmm. Why, Why is it that when they're done, With college or high school, and they get all this money to go, that it's over with. And it's like there's levels and sectors of female in sports that don't make any sense because so much is put into it, and then it's like, poof, it's gone. And I think about that because, you know, uh, Brittany Mahomes is building a really nice stadium right by our main river yeah. downtown. Yeah. And it's so cool to see that these things are kind of coming to life. So it's interesting, the athletes you mentioned, and, like, where we are. And I, and I think even with, like, Kobe, there's levels of precipices that we're on in other realms of sport, and it's interesting to see history unfold that way.
2: Yeah, and I think, um, I just had a thought that now it's going it's to wane away, but um, you watched the I, I believe that, you can't you can't see what you can't be what you can't see right. So you're watching what Mia and Ham and that team did and how that's translating into Megan Rapinoe and what they're doing with the with their team and the, the collective bargaining agreement and um you know I, I think a lot of it goes down to and, and one of the things I'm trying to put my my um, money where my mouth is in a sense of I really think that women need to step up and coach their children's sports teams. Um, I signed up to be my kiddo's t ball coach. Um, I'm not sure that I'll get selected to do it because I'm a woman, and that's that's a possibility. But um, I think it's important for them to see leadership at the get-go um, coming from so, uh, women. And I think that's you know, kind of like Billie Jean like King said, if you want to change it and you want to create, continue to create women leaders, like go out and be it. There's going to be little girls on that T-ball team that see you out there. And so I, I think that is a really interesting perspective um, that someone had mentioned it to me. I thought, you know what? You're right. That's exactly how it needs to happen.
1: Yeah, for sure. So what's been one of the best client responses for this business that you have where you're teaching those about sport? What's been the best response you've gotten so far?
2: You know, I, I, I there's a couple of different perspectives. Um, one is uh, I had a girl who she emailed me and said, hey, I used to just sit in my Cubeland with the guys and they'd sort of talk over me about sports. And, you know, I, I always wanted to be able to chime in and just kind of be a part of this this, this guy gang in, in, in Cubeland. And she said, I started reading, someone told me about you, I started reading last night's game. And the other day I just kind of chimed in of like, oh, yeah, and how about that, the fact that, insert whatever it was here, I don't remember the fact now at this point. And they just looked at her like she had three heads and she was like, okay. Because so they just dropped back down to her desk and kept working. And so she was able then to create this camaraderie through knowing just a little bit um, about the world of sports. And, and I always say, like, you don't have to be an ESPN sideline reporter. You just need to kind of know a little bit about what's going on, and then you can turn that into a conversation about anything you know a lot about. And so to hear those stories where they help build – it's helping someone build confidence – I think, to me, and make those connections, to me, that is the, the key part of what we do and why we do what we do, and I am the product of my, my I am my audience, like, I don't, I get the information from my brother when we when we publish our, our tri-weekly email publication, or I'll do the podcast, and I start doing all this research, and he does research and sends it over, and I don't know all this stuff off the top of my head, I may no, understand that some things are happening, but I am my own audience, where I'm learning, too, and so, it gives me the confidence to go into a conversation. It's, you know, it's great during holiday party time because you're not coming, coming up with this really boring small talk about the weather. You can say, "Oh my gosh, yeah, did you see insert thing here? What about this? How do you feel about that?" Um, you know, I'm a I'm a big Royals fan and did you see that they you know, they lost last night. But have you been to a Royals game? What do you like to do before the game? What do you like to get when you're at the stadium? Do you eat a hot dog? Like, there's a whole way to turn that into a conversation. And so, I love getting those notes from people who have been able to connect with a client, or somebody in their office, um, or their own family with with sports.
1: You know, it's interesting you mentioned that, and I think one of the things that's really piquing my interest with what you're saying is is that, you know, my day job is I'm an IT technician for a big school district in Kansas City, and most of the teachers are female, and I think there's a part of the mentality where they don't want to feel like they're being talked down to, and they want the problem to be taken care of. And some of them want to know, you know, how do I navigate through it? But I think people want to feel comfortable and they don't want to feel like they're being talked down to. Right. And I think that's the main thing about this. And, and I'm going to weave together a few other, just real quick an example for you. You know, one of the reasons why I got out of talk sports is because there was so much masculine toxicity. I couldn't do it. It, it, there, it was way too much, way over the top. A lot of people that never played this chord that had the audacity to flip on a microphone and all of a sudden become some kind of an expert. You know? And that really, (laughs) okay? That really frustrates me badly, and I'm going to to give you an example of what happened here. And I don't, and and I'm going to name drop, and I'm going to put it out there. And I'm only telling you this because I feel like there needs to be some level of this that that is known, and that there should be some level of change in the world of sports talk radio. My son, whose his name is Miles, he's 18. I did not – I detoxed really hard off sports radio for a long time. And just about a year and a half ago, I decided because accidentally I had it on in the car and he heard it, and he loves sports. And he's just kind of by osmosis gotten into it because of me. But he does love sports, and that's why Super Bowl week is so special because when you have kids and they feel that, that's what it's all about. Like, I like it myself as a grown 50-year-old man, but my kids, to see that in them – Beautiful. So, anyway, I got him weaned on sports radio. We went to Chiefs training camp. There's a couple of young guys that were on the air, and I will just say Alice Gold, and there was another guy. They were really nice guys, and I hold them in very high esteem. But the station is 610 Sports. So, last year, May 2nd, I clearly remember the day, it was a really Rainy, dark day. The Royals started bad. Zach Grinky lost to St. Louis like 2-0. And the the host, um, uh, Josh Vernier's the host of the show, he was so doom and gloom and he had been for like a week. But this day, it was a particular level of dark. So I called up and I'm like, look, I understand what you're saying, but we don't know what these guys are going through. Okay. They're going through a bad streak. And I tried to weave together the fact that we just went through a pandemic. It's kind of triumphant that we're even listening to baseball. We just debated a strike. The Royals released a really good like outfit choice, which was kind of fun. People were buying Royals outfits again. And, And I kind of joked around about there was a dollar dog night at the stadium. So I just kind of throw that out there and I did it for miles. You know, he's, he really started getting in this. I wanted to kind of break up the clouds of the doom and gloom that Vernier was putting out. I hang up the phone and he destroyed me. Like, he's had people call up before with dumb things, like really dumb things, and he just kind of skirts around it. He completely destroyed me. And, and I'm going to tell you how bad it got. The next day I'm with Miles, I kind of shake it off after he did that because I was in shock. But the next, and I kind of tweeted at him and said, hey, that wasn't cool. And he was like, trying to kind of cover it up. Like, oh, well, I'm, I, you know, I'm just doing my job kind of thing. Like, it's not his fault, yeah. that's his job. So then, the next day, drive time, main guy, his name is Carrington Harrington, and he replays my clip, and they destroy me for two hours, and my son's looking at me in shock. Like, why oh, are these gosh. people making fun of you? So these guys not only just had their moments like the day before, they publicly crucified me for literally saying we came out of a pandemic, they have new uniforms, you're not an athlete, you don't understand what happens when you're an athlete. They destroyed right. me. I have, ne- I have never listened to talk radio since. I completely uh, avoid that station. It was like we a came like Oh, it was 100%. And, and I, yeah. I reached out to him. And you know what I got from, from this Carrington guy? God bless you. I got that three cent, like, like trivial little spiritual-like epitaphs, and he was off. Vernier's never said anything. It's ridiculous, and it's like, and I kind of reached out a little bit afterwards to say, hey, what do you think? And I got a hold of the station manager, and I said, look, I interview musicians from all over the world. I've been in sports radio. I would never do that to anybody. If you guys really feel like you need to do that, call me on my own and read me The Riot Act, which I still would find weird, But don't do it like that. My son, who's in the spectrum, completely has nothing to do with sports radio and doesn't even miss it. And now, I won't listen to him anymore. I gave him a chance after all those years of watching the the, the vile toxicity, the the male brain, kind of the pre-college brain speaking out of the side of their ear. And it's like, I'm out of it now. And these guys are just moving on like nothing happened. And that's the culture. And that's what I I was hoping had changed in all these years. But it's just worse than it ever has been post COVID and the era of political divisiveness that we've gone through.
2: I agree, and I think that I think part of it too is I understand, and I remember having this conversation with someone. I'm like, I understand that these athletes get paid a lot of money to do that and to do their job, and I get that. But they're also allowed to have bad days. They are human. When and when it all comes down to it, they're human, and you like you said, you don't know what happened on the way you could have a sick kid you could i mean look at what tom brady went through this season um you know it's it's not all roses and so um i i get that the job is to to criticize and to critique but it's like also don't drag down the people who are listening to and who you're supporting you because that's also not the way to do it either
1: It's you're the one there's thing. A
2: perspective, you know that people break
1: yeah Well, the one thing that's always so clear on these shows is they don't want bandwagoners. I mean, people will get in there. You'll have, like, in Kansas City now, there's a certain section that never saw one game this year that's going to completely be wearing red all these two weeks, and they're going to be ready to go on Sunday. But at the end of the day, the sports people are really careful to say, don't be a bandwagoner. But what they do when they drop people like that is that they encourage that to happen. Because if you get too close... That goes back to the alpha of this, this idea here is that if you're a female and you're in a room of men, there is a good chance that at least one of them is going to make a stupid comment and make that woman feel bad about it. And that's exactly what these broadcasters did in Kansas City. They took a moment of just celebrating being alive on this planet. But the other part, too, is that, yeah, these athletes do go through a lot. And everybody's like, oh, well, yeah, too bad for them they make all this money. But at the end of the day, it's like they've made a choice. They've sacrificed. The bruises, the the, the jeers, everything they have to go through, they get money because of that. But it doesn't mean that we have to be specifically horrible to them just because they make all of this money. And that's what I was trying to tell these people. You can't do this to people because you've never played a sport. You've never, ever, even for a minute, you couldn't even practice with them. And you're sitting here on a radio station acting like you got it figured out.
2: Yeah, and I think that's the scary—that's the scary part, if you will. Like you said about about talking sports, is uh, sometimes I get to the point where I'm like, I this is where I tap out. I don't, I'm I'm not available to. I don't know anything more about any of this. I, I tap out, or if someone's not being um appropriate or being one of those aggressive fans, I just like I, I tap out. I'm good. Like. It's been it's been fun chatting, but I, this is not this is not how I you know because I think it is it's putting those boundaries in because people can get to be and no matter what it is people can get to be too much.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, and I guess that was kind of where I made my sea change when I was in the business. I just saw so much of that happening, just drubbing and drubbing, and it's like, man, these are these are humans, you know. There's 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 more yeah. to this, and there's more to their lives than just. This, this sport constantly. And you can't, I, I, there's, there's a fine line because you can't say, oh, well, it's okay if you lose for 15, 20 years right. like the Clippers did and that whole thing. But <laughs> it's like, you know, but there's still this fine line too where it's like, if they're genuinely trying, that's the reason why when Kansas City won in 2019, it was so magnanimous. The first time in 30 years for an organization it was close for a long time. That's why sports. Is something that we love so much in America.
2: Yeah, it's exactly. Well, it's 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 a very much the American dream of like you can you can make it. You know, you can do it. Like there seems, like you said, that look at the Cubs, right? They eventually did it, and that's yeah. something that that's the American dream. Like, right? You can make it if you work hard for it, and so I think that's what sports brings people.
1: Absolutely, it does. So. Let me, let me ask you this, you know, a part of, you know, inspirational pieces of our lives or things that we read or we get immersed with, was there a sports book, a biography, was there something that you read that really touched you that made you a little bit more fervent about being in sports and covering sport?
2: Um, I, I would say not necessarily that drove me to, to that. Um, I, I've read quite a few that I've just found interesting to give an interesting insight into the world of sports, but nothing really drove me, um, like I said, I think I was really driven by that opportunity to um, to, to teach and to share um, the world of sports with those who, who don't really pay attention to, to it and who, who need that extra tool, who want that extra tool in their tool belt of success. Um, but I've definitely read some good ones that have been a little more, uh, I I'm, grew up in Las Vegas, and so... I really enjoyed the Andre Agassi uh, autobiography. So that was always, that one was like a one that I just notably remember that. Um, but then I, you know, you think about, I remember reading um, Lance Armstrong. So this was before, obviously, all the stuff came out about him. And, and reading that and really, truly being inspired by someone being able to do, to, to, to push themselves to a whole new level. and um, And then, I mean, really, when you see that, so when you saw his downfall, it was, it's it's a made-for-TV movie in a sense, right? Like, what? who would have thought that would all have come together that way? Um, but, yeah, I wouldn't say no one exactly inspired me to to push into to move into sports when it came to an athlete itself.
1: So let me ask you this. You know, if you have a dream tonight, you run into the younger version of yourself, say in your 20s, and you could give that version of you a piece of advice based on the wisdom that you've gained, you gained over your life, the roads you've been down. What advice would you give your younger version?
2: probably believe in yourself stand up for yourself um that you're worth it i, I think that um that's a, a challenge um, in general i think life beats people down um but knowing that it's going to all be okay and that you need you're worth standing up for you're worth negotiating that salary for you're worth saying no i'm going to take my vacation day versus trying to to cram in all the things and and, and respect the give the company more of you than you need, and, and I think all those things are um, key pieces that I, I I tell my students the same thing. Like you need to you need to show up and do your job, but also respect respect your boundaries and stand up for yourself, negotiate those salaries. It's all very important, and I don't know that that's something that they, we teach in schools.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's another thing that would be very key. Um, and, and I just heard a, an interesting story about Vegas the other day. Long story short, there was a, uh, a physics convention that was going to happen, I think, in Arizona. Something happened in the town, and they had to move them all to Vegas. And Vegas gladly welcomed this international physics convention. After these guys stayed in Vegas for like four days, Vegas categorically said, You guys can never, ever come back here again. Because in their profession, they deal with statistics and with statistical probabilities they know mm-hmm. how much gambling is a problem, so none of them gambled. <laughs> so oh, that's like, really funny. Yep. Yeah. So they don't teach, and the, and the part of this expose I was reading is they don't teach statistics in school because a lot of the lotteries nationwide, all of those funds go to education, so they want people to to gamble more, and they don't want to, like, rule that out. So if they start educating people, it's kind of one of those subversive things on city councils where they just keep that out of the curriculum.
2: That's very interesting. I, mean, I never yeah. thought about that perspective.
1: It's weird. Yeah, yeah. Again, it's like the Billy Buckner thing. So let me, yeah. let me ask you this. Let's get to the essence of you. Everyone out there has a perception of you, an idea of who they think you are, your family, your friends, your clients. But ultimately, you live your life. You have a perception of you. Who do you think you are?
2: Wow, that's, um, gosh, I don't know. I think that I'm a, a hard worker who wants to lift up the next generation to be more amazing than anybody in my generation can be. Um, I think that I, I do that through my students. I do that through my work with, with different um, different entities and, and different people. Um, my kid, you know, it's one of those. I, I think that's, if it, essentially, that's what I, I would say that that's a, a core of my, the essence of what I do and why I sometimes get out of bed in the morning and why I hustle because somebody's watching, right? And I'm, I'm they're learning from me doing my work and my efforts. Um, but, uh, you know, it also drives me to be a good friend and I like to travel and do all those other things. So I think it's, uh, I don't know. I don't know whether it's specifically who you I'd say I am but I would say I'm a facet of all of those I'm a uh, ever evolving um, story I guess
1: it's a daunting question but you did it you defined you hit it I think sometimes it seems as though it, 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 it should be more like an accordion more expansive but that's a great answer so I'm I want to make sure that anyone out there listening right now that wants to hire you for your services know more about you and your company anything pertaining to your world where can they go on the web
2: uh, we're at lastnightsgame.com, and then we're on uh, all major social media platforms. And I'm the one who answers all the DMs on Instagram. So if you ever want to reach out, um, I am always on Instagram answering all the direct messages myself. So you can find me there or uh, at amy at lastnightsgame.com.
1: Amy, this has been wonderful. Thank you for opening up. Thank you for taking a minute. It's been fascinating to talk to you about sports and how it works. It's been a little bit of a rendezvous, so thank you for taking in you know, some of my stories and banter. I appreciate
2: it. I really enjoyed it, and so thank you for, for having me on, and thank you for sharing your, your wisdom and your stories as well.
0: Thanks for tuning in to another famous interview with Joe Domino, where we cover the world of art, literature, business, spirituality, sports, music, and more from around the globe. If you want to hear more interviews, visit the Famous Interviews with Joe D'Amino channel on YouTube. You can find us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Thanks again for listening, and until next time.